Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Today, I want to minister quickly and prayerfully, effectively, on the subject, Faith Under Fire. Somebody say faith under fire. You know, my goal as a minister and as I communicate the word of God every morning, I don't know if you've seen this, but I have gone to churches that um, preach in a way that may direct either just the nation if they're apostolic or sometimes the person who is a little bit more pastoral is doesn't really have a global view or he doesn't have the globe or the world in mind. He just kind of focuses on the health of the congregants. But when I communicate the word of God, I like to try to make it practical both in the world, in the day in which we're living in, but also make it applicable to your personal lives. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Because we have to be able to take what we learn and we read in the house of the Lord and be able to apply it to our lives, but we also cannot be ignorant to what's happening in the world. And as you look around today, um, I think it's more than just being about a red or a blue thing. This is a God thing, right? And the more that I look and see what's happening in the world today, the Bible talks about in the last days that many's hearts will, will fail from fear. In other words, their faith will experience such a fiery trial that they will no longer walk with the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you read the end of the New Testament, the Bible talks about many will be deceived and if possible, even the elect. In other words, that man or that woman who is chosen by God in the last days the society or the culture itself will, will create so much heat and cause so much controversy and push back on our faith so hard. They'll make it hard for you to bring a Bible to work or you may not be able to express your faith in the way that you wanted to or, or maybe even get you to compromise your convictions. There will come a day where faith will come under such fire and scrutiny that it will get you to, to retreat in your convictions. Somebody say, not me. We are living in a time of great testing right now. And can I tell you something, church? It really doesn't start with the world first. Yeah, the Bible says that judgment starts in the house of the Lord. So God is starting with us. The only reason that the world is in the condition it's in is because people. It's when we have started compromising in our homes. We've compromised our own convictions. And those people who work in high places begin to compromise. People like us, people who grew up in church. And little by little, the culture began to affect the climate of their own heart. And their faith came under scrutiny and came under fire. And they begin to retreat in their relationship with God. And those people who used to be on fire, those people who wouldn't, smoke, wouldn't chew, wouldn't run with them that do, all of a sudden begin to little by little make little compromises. And can I tell you that little foxes spoil the vine? Somebody say amen to that. So we are in a season where 
We're in a time of great testing where God is separating the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares. And can I tell you, I am actually excited about these times. For the believer, the Bible says, look up for your redemption draws nigh. So for the believer who is filled with the Spirit of God, when they look at the world, all we're seeing is we're seeing prophecy being fulfilled. So we shouldn't fall into fear. We shouldn't begin to retreat. We should begin to see that God is coming near. Amen? That Bible prophecy is being fulfilled and that we are living in some of the greatest times that pose the greatest opportunity for you you to be able to be used by God in such a way that can shake your family, that can, come on, shake your city, shake your school, shake whatever university, shake your workplace. Come on, I wish I had a couple more people who believe that you were chosen for such a time as this chosen to be a carrier of God's glory, chosen as a royal priesthood, a royal nation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Come on, look at somebody and say, you were set apart. Look at somebody else and say, you were set apart. And listen, if you're a believer for any amount of time, after, after you get past the first year of Jesus and, and he kind of lets go of your hand as you he doesn't leave you, but he kind of lets go of your hand. He, he doesn't, you, you know, that first year you're in your relationship with the Lord and every little prayer you seem to pray, he answers. Anytime you ask the Lord to show up, his presence just envelops you. And then a certain point comes to where you pray and his presence don't show up. There's a certain time that you, you go to the house of the Lord and every time where the word used to just land on your heart, you're like, man, it's just not, it's not landing. Any, any And all believers will come to a point in their life where your faith will be tested. Anybody who's in the body of Christ right now, I don't care who you are, whether it's the beginning, the middle, or the end of your relationship with Christ, you will be tested. Your faith will be put to the test. Look at somebody and say, you will be tested. And you will be tested as to whether or not when when the going gets tough, will you hold on to the promises of God in your life? I hear people saying, man, God promised me this six months ago and this thing still hasn't come to pass. I wonder how Abraham felt. For years, the promises of God lingered, but yet he was called the father of faith because he held on even though it didn't look like what God promised. Do you have something that you're believing for in your life or in your ministry or in your workplace? or in your own heart, something that you're believing for that God promised you that when you look at the situation, when you look at the circumstance, it doesn't line up with what God said. But this is why the just walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, being just is not getting everything you want and being happy. It's not that. The just are the ones who don't see it yet still trust God. The people who still see God as being able to do it. It could be a sickness that's in your life. It could be a loss of a loved one. It could be a delayed promise in your life. It could be something that's seemingly being held back in your life from God. But can I tell you, hold on. If you endure the seizing of testing, this promise will surely come to pass. Does anybody believe that this morning? That's why you have to be careful what you profess. (laughs) Because what you profess will be tested. Listen, if you say you love God and you say you're committed to him and you're a committed Christian, there will come a time when what you say will be put to the test. 
How many have ever said those words, Lord, I'll never leave you, Lord. I will always hold on to you. I'll always remain on fire for you. I will always live an obedient life for you. And then all hell breaks loose. And then your confession, your profession gets put to the test. Now, I know you may not be in a season of your life where you're physically being thrown in a fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abad, and Abednego. I'm messing with him. However, there are other fires that we get thrown in, and I believe America is in a fire right now. There's so many people wondering, are these false prophets? Let me just say that most people, I say this lovingly, Facebook and people who are here, most people don't even believe in real prophets, but now all of a sudden everybody believes in false prophets. That deserves a good hand clap there. All of a sudden, people coming out of the woodworks, false prophets, false prophets. God is able to turn anything at the last minute and do what he pleases. We're not looking for a man. We're not looking for the military to take over. We're not even looking for that. We're looking for God's divine hand of intervention on his timetable, his way, his will, because his way is better than mine. His way is better than our government's. His way is better than Biden's. His way is better than Trump's. His way is better for the United States of America. And can I tell you that we are in a season where faith is under fire, where righteousness is being shunned. You know, there used to be days when you would preach on holiness and you'd get people to shout, when you would talk about morality and people would get excited about living pure lives. Now, if you tell people they got to get married before they live together, they don't come back to the church. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing in here. You know, God wants us to live holy because he wants to bless us. It's not that God loves you any less. What he doesn't love is the fact that he can't move on your behalf like he wants to because you're living in sin. Because what, what righteousness does, as purity does, it got, gives God legal right to move on your behalf. He wants, to pr- he wants to fulfill the promises. He wants to move on your behalf. He wants you to be a bearer of his presence. And here's what the devil does. He gets you caught up in sin so that he can have legal right and remind God that you can't work on her behalf because she's doing this. She's in the realm of sin. And that's why the Bible calls the devil the lawless one. He wants to have a law and an accusation against you so he can't move on your behalf. And so we are under this extreme cloud where, where, where righteousness is being shunned. Listen, I love, this is why I don't get invited to parties no more. I used to tell my wife, I used to be hurt by that. If my friends would get together my first couple years in, I'd hear they were all getting together and they wouldn't invite me. And I said, yeah, I'll come. You know, the Ephesians says this. I love this. I love this verse. They're like, you know, we're all drinking and we didn't, you know, want to invite you. And I'm all right with being drunk, just with new wine. It says in Ephesians, watch this, 5, 7, excuse me, 5, 18. Don't drink too much wine that cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge drafts of him. But see, people don't, people don't want to, see, people want the blessings of God without living holy and pure. It's not that God doesn't love you. God loves each and every one equal on the same playing field. But he, he, 
he wants to open up the windows of heaven. And oftentimes our lifestyle, our choices, sow seeds in our life that produce fruit that is distasteful to us. And there is a price to pay to walk in the blessings of God. You can't pay for God's blessings, but you can position yourself for them. Oh, that's from the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to take that down. I didn't, that wasn't even in my notes. You cannot pay for God's blessings in your life, but you can get in position and, and remain and rest under the umbrella of his favor and his blessing. Will you go through hard times? Yes, but you'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that when you go through, the fire won't touch you. And it, you, won't even, you won't even look like your problem. People will look at your life as a testimony and say, man, I can't believe what Matt went through. But you know why Matt was able to make it out of that? Because there was a fourth man in the fire. And their obedience got them in the fire. Let's take note of that. And sometimes your obedience will lead you into the flames because God wants to get testimony out of your life. You wonder why your promises are delayed right now? It's because you've been obedient. You know, want to know why you're struggling right now? Because you walked obediently and sometimes your obedience oh you do want scripture Matthew chapter 4 the spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested and tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and then he let the devil loose on Jesus and this is what often happens in our lives when we walk in obedience the Lord says okay you've been walking in obedience you've been faithful with little I'm gonna make you ruler over much but I'm gonna put you in a fight with the devil that's God's promotion he puts you in tough situations. He puts you in fires like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not to kill you, but to equip you and to, to, to make you ready for what God has for you. Because the you who you are right now, that promise that you're thinking about, that promise that you want, is not ready to receive it. You're not the you that the fire will make you into. And oftentimes the fire that we go through positions us and develops our Christ-like character, Christ-like character in us and positions us for the blessings of God in our lives. I wish somebody would agree with me about that. We don't talk about that. There's process before promise. Did you know we are gone are the days where you clap your way into your blessing and shout your way into your blessing? Nobody wants to talk about process anymore. There is a process. There is a time. There is a season. There's time that God needs to, to hide you away. He needs to equip you. He needs to set you apart so he can work and instill his character and instill his fruit and position you for the blessing so that you won't squander it. So that you will remember so that you remember the hard times and you won't let the blessing distract you from the blesser. I watched a video clip speaking out about holiness and righteousness. I recently watched this video clip, actually this past week. It was one of the largest churches in America. Am I preaching okay this morning? I, I was watching, I was watching this and it really hurt my heart. It, it, actually, it was not funny. I only laugh because I see it as being so true and I kind of see where, where we're at as Americans and where we're at in the church world. And my brother asked me the other day, he said, what's your life scripture? I really couldn't give it to him. And, and then I was reminded this morning, let me take a little bunny trail. My, my life's scripture is, you know, most people are like, you know, their scripture is, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And some people is, you know, I don't know, Proverbs chapter three, verses 
three through five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your path. But my life scripture is the scripture that Jesus quoted when he was flipping tables. (laughs) I know that sounds funny. And he makes this quote. He said, zeal for your house has eaten me up. You know, and so when I think about the body of Christ, the things that keep me up at night is you. Zeal for his house has eaten me up. In other words, there's this passion, this gnawing for where the body of Christ is at, the, the heaviness I have in my heart. It's like, a, it's like a cross that I personally bear when I, I don't go through too long throughout the day before I'm just burdened with where we're at as the body of Christ. And, and when, I, where I, when I look at people and, and, and I feel God's heart for them, calling them higher and we're not seeing it and we miss it, I'm just, I'm just burdened. I'm zealous for the house. And, and I was watching this video in this man. I, if I mentioned his name, you would for sure know the name. It was a huge church. I think they have 11,000 members, which is, which is amazing. And I think they have dozens of churches all around the world. Amazing communicator, amazing preacher. And he invited someone who is more like a, I guess I would call him a Calvinist. Uh, they're more, they preach more on holiness and structure and it's not really, they're not really charismatic, I guess, like you would call us. I mean, I don't fit in any of those brackets. I'm kind of like a Baptocostal. I'm a little mix of all that stuff. Well, they they were preaching a revival and there was, you know how you have these um, trailers of all these different clips from the different sermons. Well, this one gentleman who was invited to this large church was he preached a word called it's not about us because the reason the church was having this huge revival was to celebrate you know the masses of people that had been coming in and the masses of baptisms that had been happening and all the little milestones it was like a celebration of their accomplishments but somebody came in and preached a word called it's not about you and his sermon was amazing and it was definitely Christ-centered definitely spirit-led and the sermon was removed from the trailer. People don't want to hear about holiness anymore. People don't want to hear that it's not about themselves anymore. There's, there's, there's this attack on righteous living and holy living. You know what I have a fear of? That, that, that there are many circles that preach the gospel without putting a demand on people to live pure and holy. You know, God demands that from us. Do you remember when Jesus was walking through the mountains? He was walking and he came by a tree that didn't have fruit on it. And and listen to this. It says, when you you read that scripture, it, it says that that tree wasn't even in season to bear fruit. And Jesus got mad at the tree for not having it. What does that say to me? That we're supposed to be fruitful in season and out. And we never, there's never an excuse to be fruitless, to not carry the fruit of Jesus. What, what do I mean by that? Let me make it practical. You ready? When we fall into hard times, when we get thrown in the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, many times it gives us an excuse to live in sin. Oh, you guys don't want to be honest with me this morning. 
Sometimes when we're going through a hard time, we tuck away in our dark little secret places and we lose the fruit that we gained in the light when we are in our good season. And so Jesus got mad at this tree and he cursed it at the root. And when he came back by later, that, either that same day or week, it was withered to the ground. You know why? Because he demands fruit from us. He demands and he commands, be fruitful. Look at somebody and say, be fruitful. And one way that we can be fruitful in our lives is living pure and holy lives. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy, is this okay? In 2 Timothy, he says, I charge you, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come. The time will come when they, when they, meaning the church, the body of Christ, look at somebody and say, he's talking to you. If we're not careful, careful, it says there will come a time when they will no longer endure sound doctrine. <laughs> but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Who, who don't tell them to live holy. Who care so much about their numbers that they don't want to tell you to live right. Because they care more about how big it is versus your relationship with Jesus and what's detrimental to your faith. In the Message Bible, it says like this, you're going to find that there will be times when people will no longer have a stomach for solid teaching. I'm talking about faith under fire today. They will no longer have a stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on the truth and chase mirages. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times. Come on, somebody say, accept the fire. Accept the fire with the good and keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. Don't be tempted to fold under the fire in this season, especially with what our nation is going through. Do not be tempted to fold under the fire. And every believer will be tempted to question God's goodness at some point or another. Fires have a way of doing that. Hard times have a way of doing that. Questions like, if God loves me, why am I going through this? Thoughts that, hey, God has possibly forgotten me and that's why I'm going through this. I recently got sent a video from a good friend of mine who's a pastor in Claremont. And he sent this video and he's literally... If I said his name, you'd know it. He's literally making this um, sword, like, like from scratch. And, and what you see in this video is him holding it in the fire. And we oftentimes hear about being born in the image of God and, you know, putting the sword in the fire. And when the sword comes, when there comes a time where you're able to actually see the reflection your reflection in the sword, the sword's actually done. But, but, but here's, that's not the point I want to drive home today. Has anybody ever heard that before? What I want to drive home is the fact that how a sword is strengthened is by being put in the fire, but not just the fire. When, it, when there's, multiple, there's multiple times where it gets put in the fire and then put in cold water. Put in the fire, put in cold water. 
Oh, now your situation makes sense to you, doesn't it? That's why we always have mountaintop experiences and valley lows. It's because that's God putting you through the fire and then giving you cold water to cool you down. You have highs and you have lows. That's why life is like that type of experience. Mountain high experience, valley lows. Life is peaks and valleys. It's because it's God's way of strengthening. And the more you do metal like that, you heat it up and you put it in the cold, it begins to strengthen and it begins to toughen the metal. And that's exactly what God, I believe, is doing to the nation. Why do you think that the church, excuse me, Israel, would have to go through all of these captivities? Think about it, through generations and generations. They would go through seasons where they'd go back to Babylon or they would get, in ca ca get captive by Egypt and then God would let them go and then bless them and they would go into captivity again. Is because God was taking his sword in his hands, putting it in the fire, putting it in the cool water, toughening his people. Come on, to build up resistance against the enemy until you're a, a, a strong sword in the Lord's hand that can do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Say, say, strengthen my sword, Lord. Strengthen my sword. You know, we'll never understand the why until you understand the what. Some of you may be in here this morning like, Lord, why am I in this fire? Why is this taking so long? Why did I lose my loved one? Why am I going through this sickness? Why am I going through this valley? Why am I going through this depression? Why? You'll never understand the why until you understand the what. Does everybody understand that? In other words, you'll never understand why you're going through what you're going through until you understand what he's called you to. And that's why. That's why we're going through what we're going through is because what God is calling us to. If you're called to the healing ministry, don't be surprised if you get sick. If you're called to shake the world or you're called to, I don't know, whatever it is that God has called you to, don't be surprised if you're met with opposition in the opposite. Because God is simply trying to strengthen certain areas of your life to make you ready for what he has in your life. Somebody say, don't bow. Don't bow in this season of testing. Don't bow. Somebody say, don't bow. You know, I've never seen believers so divided as they are now. I've never seen. Did you know you can be respectful and still not bow? I see, I see these Facebook wars. What was that show called, Matt? It was called Storage Wars. I never thought I'd see the day. I mean, Facebook was a time when you would just post your pictures of your loved ones and videos of your loved ones. It was an amazing platform. But now I can't even scroll on there without seeing another Christian dismantling another one. Either somebody's calling each other false and the other one's, you're either judgmental or a false prophet or too casual. It's like, man, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, but I've never seen such division. Did you know that you can still have convictions in your own life and not bow to other people's? Come on, you can do it in a respectful way, bow in a certain way. What do I mean by that? I'm gonna make it practical. That sounds really spiritual. You, you can, you can if, if, you, if you have a conviction not to live with someone outside of marriage. If you have that, that conviction that the Bible talks about, that the Holy Spirit wants to give all of us, to live pure, you know you don't have to tell everybody about their sin. 
Come on. You don't have to bow and surrender that. You can still be respectful. Come on, somebody say be respectful. I want you to look at the response. Here's what I mean. Look at the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know if we can put it up on the screen. Watch what he says. If that is the case because of what Nebuchadnezzar said, he said, if that is the case, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king, being respectful. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. As believers, we're not called to fight. We're called to faith. I wish somebody would agree with me. Most people do too much. You know what bothers me? Can I just vent? People post about prayer more than they pray. They give their opinions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And much of those people have no kind of connection right? We're not supposed to fight with our hands, even sometimes fight with our voices. We fight with prayer. We fight with humility. We fight with love. We fight by setting an example to all believers. Come on, does anybody believe that anymore? We fight, we win people by our love, not by, not by fighting, not by debating. And when's the last you told someone a piece of your mind and they actually received it? Because by the time two words get out of your mouth, two nasty little words out of your mouth, they've already got their wall 10 feet high and they're not gonna receive anyway. We win through love. We draw people through love. We, we draw people through an example. That's why the Bible, when, when, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, Set, be an example to all the believers. Be an example. Look at somebody and say, are you an example? Look at somebody else and say, are you an example? No matter how worldly, why are people so surprised that the world's being like the world? The world's gonna be the world, but just because the world is being the world doesn't mean we have to bow to it. Raise your children in a godly way. The world's not raising our children, we are. Now, if you let them have that phone in their hand too long, then that's conviction in Jesus name amen just because Facebook has all that garbage on it doesn't mean you have to eat it just because the news is on every single day doesn't mean you have to feed on that just because the world is immoral doesn't mean we have to live immorally come on how many know that our faith is under fire right now Come on, the Christian home, the way, that, the way that we're supposed to live and conduct our lives is under fire right now. And we have to stand up as believers and walk in love and walk in truth. Amen? You know why I believe the Lord showed up in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's because they didn't bow. If somebody understood that statement, you would shout. He showed up in the fire because they didn't bow. You know why? We oftentimes, Lord, where are you at in my life? But they're giving into sin, meaning they're bowing. The reason he showed up in the fire is because they didn't bow. Hold on. They didn't compromise. 
the Lord will show up in any fire in your life and make his presence known if you decide not to bow. Oh, you don't get what I mean? People wonder, Lord, where are you at in my life? And they are living certain lifestyles outside of God's will for their life and expecting Jesus to still show up at a drop of a hat. And yes, out of his mercy, he will. But if you really want him to show up in your fire, don't bow. Listen to what Psalm says. In Psalms 24, verses 3 through 4, who may ascend? Somebody say who. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? Except he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. And if that's not enough for you, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to see God, live a pure lifestyle. Live a holy lifestyle. But the cynic and the person who is living in their sin, God will not allow himself to be known by them. By him. He won't allow himself. He won't reveal himself. If we bow to certain things in our lives, God will not make himself known to you. He will still love you. I know that's tough preaching right there. We don't hear that anymore. But if we live outside of God's will and his purpose, he will love you, but he will not make himself known to you. Oh, you guys don't believe that. Who shall ascend? He who has a pure heart. He who has clean hands. Who hasn't lifted up himself to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. The pure in heart, they are the ones that see God. So if, if, if the man who has a pure heart shall see God, what does the person who has an impure heart see? They don't see God. They can't not see God because sin blinds us. Somebody say, sin blinds me. So if you want to see God in your life, stop bowing. There's somebody I know, they're in this room, and I think about this person. It just came to my mind. This person I recently see, every time I see them now, they look lighter and lighter every time I see them. They invited me to their house, and they were dealing with something. They invited my wife and I. They were under a real spiritual attack, and they were really bound up, and you could see it in their eyes. And that's, that's what sin does. And sometimes it's sin due to, sometimes it's a, it's a thinking pattern. Sometimes it's a posture of the heart. Sometimes that's unforgiveness. That opens the door to the enemy to blind your eyes. Sometimes you're just thinking God is not good. This is why I'm in this situation. Sometimes these kind of habits keep you, sometimes these kind of sins keep your eyes from seeing God in a way that he truly is, which is loving, which is merciful which is wanting to bless you. Come on, somebody believe that? So we went to her house and we prayed for her. It took about an hour. And from this point on, I mean, deliverance took place. Every time you see this person, they look lighter, they look freer, and they're more and more free, and they're finally smiling because they're set free. I don't want to go into all the details of what happened, but a mighty deliverance took place. And it was also due to other people play, praying and coming into agreement. And now this person seems to see God in everything where they couldn't seem to see him before because that's what sin, that's what sin does. That's what unrighteousness does. It binds us and keeps us from seeing him in his holy light. Number three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were unscathed in the fire. You know, I don't care what, I do care what America is going through, but no matter what America is going through, 
no matter if Biden remains in office, it doesn't matter. That is all beside the point. Do you know God will preserve his people in the fire with no matter who's in presidency? Does anybody believe that anymore? Does anybody believe that you can be in a fire? You can, you can have your president? Because as a matter of fact, Jesus preserved his disciples in the midst of great scrutiny, of great oppression in Israel. And he preserved his people. And he was their fourth man in the fire in the midst of great hardship. And God can keep you unscathed in your situation. Come on. Somebody say there's a fourth man in the fire. The Bible says that they were not consumed. They were in the fire and they were not consumed. Do you know why I believe they weren't consumed, honey? It's because fire can't catch on fire. <laughs> you want to know why some of you are burning this morning in your situation? It's just simply because you need to get on fire. Because when fire meets fire, they just burn together. And when you decide to get on fire for Jesus in your life, listen, I know tough times will come, but, but they were at the same temperature. In other words, they threw some people in the fire expecting them to burn. See, the devil, devil messed up and thought because he threw you in the fire, he was going to destroy you, not really realizing that you run the same temperature as Jesus Christ. Come on. And that's what we have to do. That's why I'm in a car. We talk about revival. Revivals aren't supposed to come and go. Once you catch revival, that means an awakening in the heart. Something happens in you where you begin to burn for Jesus. And it's like, it's like the fire didn't even matter to them. Their eyes were so fixed on the master, they weren't concerned with what was going on around them. They were being busy, consumed with their love for God. And listen, when you fall in love with him, I'm not saying your situations won't matter, but they will lessen. But when you focus on the pain, you focus on the heartache, you focus on what's happening in the nation, do you ever realize when you focus on those things, they get worse? We gotta be focused on catching the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Focus on being in love with Jesus until your temperature meets the same elements that's going on around you. So, come on. So you won't be consumed by the external elements. Look at somebody and say, are you on fire? Look at somebody else and say, are you on fire? As I mentioned before, only dead wood catches on fire. And the reason why so many people are withdrawing in their faith in the Lord, I'm so surprised. I'm not surprised at the world. I'm not surprised at what's going on in our government. I'm surprised at Christian leaders who are recanting, who are shutting down their churches, can I say it? I'm surprised at people dwindling in their faith in God and retracting. And The Bible says that he who puts his hand against the plow, looking back, it's not fit for the kingdom. We got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We got to keep our hands on the plow. But can I tell you what wood will not be consumed? I got some wood in my backyard. I tried to burn it the other night, but it had rained a couple nights before. When you're soaked with living water, you cannot be consumed. Come on. When you're soaked and saturated with the Holy Spirit, the Bible likens the Holy Spirit as living water. When you're full, come on, look at somebody and say, get waterlogged with the Holy Spirit. Once you get filled with that living water, that's what the Bible talks about. Living water, no matter what kind of flames the enemy sends your way, you will not be consumed. 
You want to know why? Because you have living water running through you and there's a fourth man in the fire. There's a fourth, somebody say there's a fourth man in the fire. There's a special place hedged on the believer of the person who walks in obedience. That's right. That's, have you ever seen other believers who are going through and you wonder why they keep going through certain things and they go through this hardship after hardship? And then you see this other person. When I look at Angelique, can I just pick on Angelique for just one second? God, what a testimony. Can I share? When I look at her, I wasn't, this is nowhere... But when I look at her on the keys, I asked her, was it six months ago? I said, will you come help lead the church in worship? And she asked me, she said, why would you choose me knowing what I'm going through? She had a wonderful young son who snuck out of the house. She could tell the story so much better than me. He was in the back of a pickup truck and they were carrying on and the truck flips and she loses her 17-year-old boy. And she said, why in the world? I mean, she probably thought I was crazy or desperate. She said, why would you choose me? I lost my 17-year-old kid. I'm a mess. It's because I would see on Facebook, she didn't know this, I would see her stuff and she was still worshiping. And I, I basically, in essence, said to her, is because I know Jesus is with you. And I want people who have him in their life. It's because, and in essence, I was saying, because I see a fourth man in the fire and you're not consumed. It's because I heard there, there's a special hedge that God places over you when you walk in obedience to you. And I knew God was with her and in her because her flames, she wasn't being consumed by the flames. She was still, still loving Jesus in the midst of that loss. I mean, can you imagine how many have kids in here? Can you imagine the loss and the, and the, and the heartache that somebody would go through? But, but when I look at her life, I see her as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, consumed all around, and yet there's a fourth man who's keeping her, who's placed the hedge around her life, and that's the same with you. I know there's some, you have, you have your own fire that you're in right now. Some, some of you have your own sickness that you're dealing with right now, but can I tell you there's a fourth man in the fire? There's some of you who've been waiting for your destiny to take to develop to its fruition for years. Can I tell you, in your waiting, there's a fourth man in the fire. There's a fourth man in the fire. There's some of you in this place who are struggling in your marriages. Can I tell you, there's a fourth man. Well, for the marriage couples, married couples, there's a third man in the fire. Somebody say there's a third man in the fire. There's a fourth one in your fire. No matter what you're facing this morning, there's some of you who have led people for years, who love the Lord, you've discipled people, and you've, you just don't know what's next for you. And you think it's over. You think your heydays are over. But can I tell you, there's a fourth man in the fire. And, and you know, here's the funny thing, is that the Bible never says that Shadrach, Meshach, 
in Abednego seen the fourth man. It doesn't say they were aware of him. Their enemies seen him. Nebuchadnezzar seen him. He says, I see another one who's walking in the fire and he's like, and he's as bright as the son of man. Meaning you may not realize it. You may not even think the Lord's with you in your fire. You may not even see the Lord in America right now. But can I tell you, we have a fourth man in the fire. There's a fourth man. Somebody say, there's a fourth man. Stand to your feet. Watch this. He says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. The Lord is walking with you in your fire in this season. Somebody say gently, say, say, he's walking with me. You may not be able to see him, but he's with you. You may not be able to see him on Facebook with the world wringing their hands and shouting at each other. We may not see it, but can I tell you that God's eye is still on America. He still has a divine purpose and his purposes will be fulfilled, but his way is better. Sometimes the Lord's way is turning up the heat. Sometimes he'll turn up the heat to purify. This just came to me. You know why I believe he's turning up the heat on America? And us, we're being thrown in there kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is because in the Old Testament, when, when when the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is being shared... There's no other place that you see the Son of Man, meaning Jesus. Some scholars believe it was Jesus walking in the fire. There's no other place that he's depicted except for in the fire. Why do I say that? It's because God shows up in fires. That's where God shows up. He doesn't show up in our comforts. If you think about it, When you came to Jesus, when you gave your heart to him, I highly doubt you were on a mountaintop. He found you in the fire. Or you found him in the fire. Come on, how many found him in the fire? And if you look hard enough at your situation, if you look hard enough at that sickness, and yes, God wants you healed. If you look hard enough, Mom, that fourth man's in the fire. If you look hard enough, Ronnie, he's in the fire. If you look hard enough, Matt, he's in the fire. If you look hard enough, Miguel, he's in the fire. And for each and every one of you, if you look at your situations long enough, Mariah, there's a fourth man and he's in the fire with you. Because the Bible says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. You may be questioning this morning. Lord, it's hot. 
Lord, I'm hurting. Can I just tell you this morning, his way is better than ours. I believe he's purifying the body of Christ and maybe he's purifying you this morning. He's making his grace known, his power known in our weaknesses. And when we squirm in the fire, it's just the sign that we're still too alive. What do I mean by that? What I have found out when the Lord has shifted seasons in my life, when I've, been, when I've gone through the fire, he shifted it when I stopped caring about the fire. It's not easy. It's not done very easily. It's easier said than done. But it's at that moment when you come to that place where you just surrender to his will, surrender to the fire he allows you in. It's then, that's a sign that he's developed the type of character he wants in you. And then you move on and you go from glory to glory. And eventually you'll find yourself in another fire. But he'll show up in that fire too. Until we get to glory. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Father, we worship you this morning. We know that you are the fourth man in the fire. You're the fourth man in the fire in America. You're the fourth man in the fire in our personal lives. You're the fourth man in the fire in that person's sickness. You're the fourth man in the fire in that marital issue, God. You're the fourth man in the fire in that mental struggle that that person's struggling with this morning, God. We thank you that your word says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You said that you're with us always in the New Testament. You said it, Jesus, with your own mouth and in your own words. You'll never leave us nor forsake us, but you said you're with us always, even to the end of the age. God, let the fire that's in our lives, Lord, drive us to you. Teach us to trust you. And God, I just pray that whatever fire these individuals represent this morning, we all have various fires that look differently. God, I pray that you would just catch our hearts on fire for you, God. I pray that you would stir up a passion and a desire in this season of our lives to seek and serve you like never before. Help us not to be concerned with what's on fire around us. Help us not to be concerned what's happening with what's happening in the nation or what's going on in our own personal lives. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, somebody just lift up your hands right now. Come on, I just want you to get a picture right now. Get, get a picture of the fourth man in the fire with you. Come on, I want you to picture Jesus in that situation in your life, no matter what it is. Whatever weakness it is that you're struggling with. Whatever situation you're facing right now, there is a fourth man in the fire and he's likened unto the Son of Man. And he burns brighter than the brightest sun. He shines brighter than the brightest star. He's the King of glory. He's the bright and morning star. He's your bridge over troubled waters. He's your source of strength. He's your comforter. He's your helper in time of trouble. 
Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.